This is the third EU podcast, and this podcast will actually deal with the elections themselves, which took place between the 22nd and 25th of May. The election concerned 400 million people in Europe who were eligible for voting. Of those, 43% voted, which actually was more or less the same as the last time in 2009. And some politicians have hailed this as a stop to the movement of non-involvement of the citizens in the democratic process. The elections had two movements. Um, one was the protest movement, which concerned the five years of crisis, both the financial crisis, the social crisis and economic crisis deriving from the financial crisis, the Eurozone crisis with <clears throat> member states needing bailouts. Um, and that led to a differing, differing movement. On the one hand, it led to a protest Eurosceptic movement which was right-wing in countries such as the UK and France, and both right-wing and left-wing in countries such as Greece. In other countries, the predominance of the bilateral, uh, bipartisan, biparty system was shattered, and this is a clear case in the UK, uh, in France, and in Spain, uh, where the major parties... Um, on the right and on the left, lost seats to smaller upcoming parties which were either pro-European or against Europe but had a very clear, strong message and which were uh, voted for to the extent that, for example, the right-wing movement in France with Marine Le Pen got 25% of the votes and became the first party for the European elections. The middle ground, the Liberal parties and the Greens, to some extent, lost ground to these smaller parties. What remains to be seen now in the composition of the Parliament, how these small parties will group together um, as you need 25 um, members of Parliament coming from at least five countries in order to make a party. And otherwise, you will remain as a uh, non-inscribed uh, movement, you can still take part, of course, in the parliament with and make your voice heard and vote, but you don't belong to a grouping, and that is, that is an important issue to consider. The other movement that happened with the elections was within the national uh, member states. Germany, the, the centre-right uh, remained strong. In Poland also the centre-right remained strong. There was a big shock in the UK and France as the Eurosceptic and right-wing movements um, gained enormous ground. And this will, will have effects. On the other hand, a country like Italy uh, gave very strong support to its ruling party, which is a centre-left party, and that was seen as a very encouraging uh, point. In Eastern Europe, uh, there was much Euroscepticism, but also very low turnout, uh, showing that people there were not really feeling themselves concerned with these elections. And the lowest turnout was actually in Slovakia, with 13% turnout, which was very, very low. 
What is going to happen with the new parliament? In the next coming weeks, uh, all these political groupings will have many meetings with um, with each other as they try to sort out if they can form into groupings. The two big parties, the, the centre-right EPP, European Popular uh, Party, and the S&D party, which is the Centre Socialist Party, will actually still remain the largest. Um, but, for example, the EPP has lost uh, overall 90 seats. It still remains the largest, but it has lost. And this, democratically, is also a sign um, that could be said. On the other hand, the middle liberal movements and the Greens, the Aldi and the Greens, they still find themselves in third and fourth position, and they will definitely be needed uh, when agreements need to be brokered. Together, EPP and S&D have a very small majority. To reminder, the European Parliament has 751 members, a majority is 376, and currently, as the votes have fallen, EPP and S&D get together 409 votes. So this does mean it's a very small majority, and probably for different issues they will need the Greens or, or Alde, or maybe even Alde and the Greens to come together. So this is going to shape the agenda a little bit. We'll still see very much European agenda, but much more cautious on, on, um, on issues to do with governance. Uh, economic governance, possibly, and but also in the financial markets, we'll see a stabilizing. The banking union will remain a primary focus. Um, Long-term financing, which is a key issue for all these parties, um, as it is a stabilizer and a stimulator of the economy, will remain very much to the foreground. This week, as I said before, the political parties are meeting. Um, this week was also a meeting of the presidents of all the political groups in which they, uh, they have a meeting in which they decide whether to come to an agreement to nominate officially Jean-Claude Juncker, who is the candidate for the EPP, as uh, the official proposal by the European Parliament. The Chancellor of Germany, Angela Merkel, has already said uh, in a speech that uh, this candidate would need to be reviewed by Hermann van Rompuy as president of the European Council representing the member states. Um, it is not clear whether ultimately Jean-Claude Juncker will be chosen as a candidate for, for the European Commission president or whether there might be some other possible candidates. In any case, um, the ALDE uh, S&D and other candidates for the presidency will probably not uh, get chosen as they, um, they didn't come out on top. So the balance of power still remains within the two main parties, um, albeit with a voice from the protest groupings, which encompasses both the Eurosceptics, as I've said before, and the right-wing parties. So this is going to um, this is going to be uh, an interesting time as the parties get together. They will need to choose now um, which committees each party wants to take the chair for. 
And as I discussed in the previous podcast, uh, the EPP will have the first choice, as it is the top party. Will it choose to, as its first choice, to name the chair of the Economic and Monetary Affairs Committee, which is a very important committee. As a reminder, uh, there are all the issues of financial services in there, plus all the economic governance and taxation and competition. So this is a key committee. But on the other hand, the Foreign Affairs Committee might be also a key issue uh, to choose the, the chair for, as we have the border issues, we have the Ukraine, we have all, all the, the the relationships with the U.S. So this again will be will need to be monitored. What what will happen here? The focus will remain on jobs, getting out of the crisis, making a safe financial market, a market where SMEs can find financing, which is different from bank financing, um, protecting the investor, looking at the retail market, stimulating the retail the retail market to come back and uh, gain trust again in the financial market to rebuild the economy and also to stimulate um, a retail investor which is looking in a different way at his assets and liabilities and which looks at uh, his pension and his income when he's pensioned off, um, not just to looking to state and private pensions, but also to investments, and that will be a key subject for the coming time. Obviously, the banking union needs to be completed. Um, key, as I said before in the previous podcast, the rollout of MIFID uh, will be a very, very, very big topic. ESMA, which is the European Securities Markets Authority, based in Paris, has come out with its uh, proposed uh, cons- uh, guidelines, which has come out in a consultation to which replies will be addressed till the end of August and then they have about a year in which to turn around and to actually start getting these technical standards out into the market. So it's a very, very tight schedule. I will propose that the next podcast will delve a little bit deeper into these subjects and uh, look very closely at what the Commission and Parliament each will bring now in the coming five years on financial services legislation and uh, discuss very uh, clearly for you the role of the Commission and the Parliament and the Council. Thank you. Until the next podcast. Copyright 2014 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.